The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. We're just going to look at one verse uh, this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse 18. Pastor and Mrs. Tice, thank you for everything. Uh, we've enjoyed ourselves, and my wife and I, we are celebrating. It seemed like last year we came out on our anniversary, and we were celebrating 32 years of marriage. And so this year we celebrate on April 4th our 33rd year of marriage. And uh, you look at us, and I know you look at us, you're too young to be married 33 years. Well, we started young. All right, I was five and she was four. And, um, and so we, uh, uh, I can't believe this, but I'm married to a grandmother. Wow, that gets me nervous, right? <laughs> Just thinking that, man, I'm married to a grandmother. Uh, but we have two grandkids, and you know what? Afterwards, okay, if you want me to show you some pictures, I have some on my iPhone, and I'll show some pictures of my grandkids. And uh, we certainly love them. But thank you for allowing us. Thank you for the room. Thank you for the fruit basket. I love fruit baskets. You know why? There's no fruit in it. And it's, it's all the good stuff. But there were was, there was some, some apples and also some bananas. So there, it was great. My wife said, I want to keep that basket. I said, how are we going to pack that basket? And she said, I don't know, but I'm going to carry that onto the plane. And I said, put it in your suitcase. <laughs> you know? and, uh, but she does some other. I don't know. I'm going to get in trouble on this one. How many ladies you do this? When you go to a hotel, you take the extra toilet paper with you. My wife does that all, she's looking at me, she's saying, don't say that. She does that all the time. And I said, honey, I could buy toilet paper. And she's like, well, you just never know. And she, uh, this morning I asked her, I said, honey, did you take the extra toilet? She said, yes. So, I don't know why she does that. And I don't know why I said that, okay? And uh, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And you're probably wondering, how did that guy stay married for 33 years He's been in the pulpit two minutes, and he's already put his foot in his mouth. And uh, I tell people this. It gives my wife the opportunity to grow in grace. And uh, every day I give her those opportunities. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Let's look into God's word, verse number 18. The Bible says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, It is the power of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your living word, and I pray that it would be alive in our hearts this morning. And I pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, that today would be that day. I pray for every believer, every Christ follower, Lord, that they would once again rally around the cross and be thankful for the message of the cross and the meaning of the cross. I pray that we would be motivated by the cross, that we might live for you a life that is pleasing and honorable. And our lives would bring glory and praise to you. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There are many many symbols that we're aware of that when we see them, it kind of produces certain responses. You know, when our kids were small and uh, they were, you know, you know, elementary age, when they would see this first symbol, when you see it, I want you to yell out what it represents. Ready? McDonald's. When our kids saw those golden arches, 
you know, they were so excited about, you know, the Happy Meal. And, uh, you know, makes them so happy. Boy, you, and boy, you want to kind of pull over and just, you know, just give them a sandwich and make them happy. But, you know, when you see those golden arches, you, you know what it represents. You know, cheap food. You know? Uh, and, uh, and so not healthy food, but cheap food. But you, you know what that represents. When you see that, it represents McDonald's. How about this next symbol? Shout it out. Nike. All right, that represents maybe like Michael Jordan. All right, uh, you know, you look on the, you know, the Nike gym shoe, you got the, the silhouette of Jordan kind of, you know, jamming the ball down uh, the, the rim there. And, and that represents what? Victory. Boy, that's what that represents. And we all know what that represents. And, and we know our teenagers, they, they don't want the gym shoes that, that don't have that Nike switch. They want to make sure that that gym shoe has that swish mark on it because they know if they have a gym shoe with that swish mark, it's going to help them shoot that shot a little bit better. Helping to jump a little bit higher. Helping to run a little bit faster. They, they know that. But that, that represents really victory. What else? What's the next symbol? And we know that's a cult, right? And, uh, and, but Apple, boy, you, you see that. You know exactly what that represents. You know, computer and, you know, user-friendly. And, and uh, really, you know, the thing is, you know, the, the owners, of it, the, the, the originators, you know, the rich because of that symbol right there. Next. Peace. No, not peace. Some of you think, you know, peace. No. That represents what? A Mercedes. And right away we think, boy, that's you know, wealth and, and, and prominence. And, but we know what that symbol represents. How about this one? Okay. You know exactly. How many of you are not Yankee fans? Raise your hand. Oh, that's good. I, I like this side of the auditorium right here. You know, I thought this side was more spiritual than this side. And, um, but, you know, that represents the New York Yankees. And, and, and that's very recognizable. Everybody, when sees it, they know what it, what it means. And, 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 and symbols bring a lot of different emotions to all of us. But then there's this last symbol, the cross. And this symbol is readily recognized. The cross is just like the law enforcement badge, it generates varied responses. Some people cringe when they see this symbol. Others rejoice. There are those that despise it, and there are those that love it. As Paul stated in our verse, Those that deny the cross, they would love to destroy the cross. Why? They see the preaching, the message of the cross, as something that's foolishness. It's crazy. You're a fool, and you are simply, that word foolish means moronic. You are a moron if you believe the teaching and if you follow the meaning and the teaching of the cross. So why is the cross so rejected? Because I believe that the cross says to the human race, you can't do it. But I've already done it for you. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified, Unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. 
But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. This morning, we're going to look at that symbol, the cross. And I want to share with you five truths, what I believe that this cross represents to all of us. Even if you're sitting in this room and you haven't received it yet, up to this point, you've rejected it, you've denied it, you have pushed it aside in your heart and your mind. Maybe others, you're, you're a Christ follower, you know the Lord is your Savior, but you've kind of grown accustomed to the cross, to that symbol and what it represents. And I pray that at the end, when we leave this place, that each and every one of us would be a little bit more thankful that we would be a little bit more passionate, that we would be a little bit more bold about that symbol, the cross. So what does the cross symbolize? First of all, it symbolizes God's passion for you. The cross symbolizes God's passion for you. And this was manifest, the love of God toward us, Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross for you and for me. And the cross, when you think about the cross, it is God's passion, his strong passion, his love for you and for me. Now think about what Christ was willing to do to go to the cross for you and for me, but not just us. For God so loved the world. He came for every single soul on planet Earth, and that's why you have this weekend called the Go Weekend. Why? Because we are commissioned to go into all the world and do what? Share the message of the cross. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why in a few weeks we're going to celebrate Easter, the resurrection. Why? Because that's our hope. That's our victory. And we're going to rejoice that we serve a risen Savior. Jesus knew what the cross represented. It represented discomfort. It represented pain. It represented torment. The cross represented agony. The cross also represented abandonment. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 26 and verse 39, while Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he said this, and he let, went a little further, and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. In Christ, in his humanity, now we know that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man at the same time. The deity of Christ, God became man and he dwelt among us. In his his humanity, he knew what that cross represented. The Romans were experts at torturing the criminal. 
And one of the worst ways that they would torture a criminal would be by the cross, the crucifixion. And in Christ, in his humanity, he knew what he was going to have to experience to, to redeem mankind. But I'm thankful as he, as he took a moment and said, let this cup pass from me. Father, is there another way? But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. What passion he has for you. What love he has for each and every one of us. When I think about his passion that he has for me, the question that kind of just kind of jumps to my, the forefront of my mind and my heart, how's my passion for him? I believe that as, as believers, the cross ought to motivate us to live our lives for him and for his honor and for his glory. But as we, as we ponder, as we, as we just look at that symbol right there, does it, does it create within you a greater passion for you to live for him? Do you realize what he has done for you? Oh, as believers, let's not get over that, that emotion that we experienced when we first came in contact with the, the true meaning, the biblical meaning of the cross. I think sometimes we, we forget what we experienced when we came to the foot of the cross and, and we received Christ as our Lord and Savior. And boy, we passed from darkness unto light and, and we knew that one day we would spend eternity with him in heaven. Oh, how joyful we were, how excited we were, how relieved we were, and how we had that peace that passeth all understanding because we realized that that cross brought salvation to us. We knew that we could not earn salvation. We knew we could not work for it. We knew we didn't deserve it. But because of the cross and what Jesus did for us on that cross, we knelt our we bended our knees and we humbled our heart and we called upon the Lord Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. I wonder, what is stopping you for living for Christ? What's stopping you? What's stopping you to, to say, you know what? I'm going to put self aside. And I'm going to step out by faith. I love the story when, when the disciples were on the, the Sea of Galilee and, and the storm rose and, and, boy, the waves were crashing against the boat and they were, they were fearful and, and all of a sudden they, they saw someone walking on the water. And then they finally realized it wasn't a ghost but it was Jesus. And then Peter cried out, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come unto you. And what did Jesus say? Come. Now just imagine how Peter then began to step out of the boat. Wow. 
Let me ask you, are you willing to step out of your boat so that you might be a little bit more passionate for that cross and your Savior that died upon that cross? Are we willing to be a little bit uncomfortable so that others might hear and understand what Christ has done for them? As we were talking yesterday with your, as I was talking with your pastor yesterday, I said, you know, soul winning and witnessing and sharing our faith, I, I don't know if it's comfortable for anybody. It's not something that just naturally flows from us to walking up to a perfect stranger we don't know. And we say, hi, how you doing? Hey, do you know if you're going to heaven when you die? Yeah, it's like, you know, like, why, who are you? Know, no one in our flesh, that, that, that comes naturally for us. But listen, when you look at that cross, and you understand the meaning and the freedom and the forgiveness that the cross brings to an individual, you're willing to put aside your discomfort so that you might open up the living word so that you might share the wonderful message of the cross. Now, if we don't, if we don't share that meaning, maybe, maybe, maybe we're taking that for granted. And we've come a little bit complacent in our Christian journey. What does the cross symbolize? It symbolizes God's passion for you. Paul said this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, for everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But also, number two, the cross symbolizes God's pardon for you. Hey, can I tell you something? This is, this is fabulous. Man, this is, this is this is awesome. I don't know what word you use out here in New Jersey. It's incredible. Hey, you can be pardoned. You can be free from your sin. Hey, listen, let me tell you. Hey, you're not going to accomplish that through your communion. You're not going to accomplish that through your, you know, your catechism. You're not going to accomplish that as you go to the confessional booth. You're going to only accomplish that through the cross. Amen. And what a wonderful message that that cross brings to us. It brings us pardon. Man, we could be pardoned from our sin. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse number 21, for he hath made him, for God hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Much more than now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath, through him. How are we declared righteous, justified, just as if we never sinned? It's not by our works. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But it's according to his mercy. We are saved. What a joy to realize that through that cross, our sins could be pardoned. Oh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 24, being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set for us to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sin that are passed through the forbearance of God, 
to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that we might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Man, as a teenager, when I came in contact with this message of the cross, that my sin could be pardoned, that I could be forgiven, man, I tell you what, I ran down that aisle. And I shook that pastor's hand. And I said this, I need that part in my life. I need my sins to be forgiven. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't understand fully what that cross symbolized. But I'll tell you what, I knew one thing. I had sin. My account was big. But I wanted it to be wiped away. I mean, how many of you ever had those, those extra sketchbooks? You know, you kind of you be able to kind of show your creativity. I remember when we got one for our, our granddaughter. And, uh, boy, she started doing it, and, and she had lines everywhere. And all of a sudden, I took it, and I shook it, and gave it back to her, and she kind of looked at it. She calls me Poppy. She goes, Poppy, where's, where's, my, where's my work? Where's my work? I said, it's gone. I said, it's gone. You want to know something? That's like our sin. It's gone. You know what sometimes we think? We think that we're not too bad. But you want something? It was my sin and your sin that caused Jesus Christ to go on that cross. Our sin. He was without sin. But he became sin. That you and I might be justified of our sin. Man, we could be pardoned. Man, we could be forgiven. Oh, the Bible says in Isaiah 43 and verse 25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake and will re- not remember thy sins. Wow. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't remember your sins? Huh? I, I mean, that would make anybody say amen to that. But boy, we, sometimes, you know, our spouse could take, you know, pretty good track, pretty good record. They're a good accountant of our sin. And they kind of remind us of it, huh? And sometimes we, we, you know, we have a pretty good ledger ourselves as men. Yeah, I remember back on April 3rd, 1965, when you did so-and-so. Oh. Now somebody said, I wasn't even born yet. I wasn't even a sparkle in my mom and dad's eye yet. But I love that he will not remember thy sins. As far as the east is from the west, so far have he removed our transgressions from us. Not too long ago, I was out door knocking with Keith Harvey. And and, uh, Keith's one of the men in our church. I've led to Christ uh, 10 years ago now. And we were out and came to this door. And I was visiting this family uh, looking for Jose and and, uh, Claudia. Basias, and knocked on the door, and, and, and their teenage daughter came out. Her name was Mary. Mary was 17 years old. And I was 17 when, when I came in contact with the gospel and when I got saved. And, and so whenever I meet a teenager 17, I'm kind of like, hey, I remember when I was 17. I know it was a few years back, but I can still remember. I started talking to Mary, and I said, Mary, I said, your family go to church? I said, oh, off and on. She said, since we moved here in Palmdale, we haven't really found a place yet. And I said, well, listen, we'd love for you and your family to come. And 
Here, give this card to your mom and dad. I teach a couple's class. We got great teen classes. You'd enjoy it. And I said, Mary, I said, I said, I remember. I know this is going to sound strange. I said, Mary, but I remember when I was 17. I said, it was about three, four years ago. She said, I'm laughing. And uh, three or four centuries ago. Um, but I said, I said, no, Mary, listen, this is something you can know. You can know for sure that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. She said, really? I said, yeah, you can know that. And she looked at me, and she said, well, how can you know that? And I said, well, over here in 1 John 5, 13, it says, these things I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know. I said, before you know, you have to understand a few spiritual truths that the Bible teaches about. I said, first of all, is this, for first base is this, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I said, Mary, you have to understand that you're a sinner. Now, I know you're looking at me, and I'm a pastor, but let me tell, I'll be the first one to tell you that I'm a sinner. Now, I know it might be hard for you to comprehend that. I said, all you'd have to do is ask my wife, and, and, and she'd tell you. And I said, my four kids, please don't ask them, because they would really tell you, okay? And I said, now, Mary, do you realize you're a sinner? And she looked at me, and pastor, she said, no, I don't think I am. I said, really? And I said, well, Mary, I said, do you ever heard of, like, the Ten Commandments? She said, yeah, I've heard of them. I said, well, one of the commandments says this, thou shalt not bear false witness. I said, Mary, basically what that means is you can't tell a lie. Now, Mary, have you ever told a lie before? Now, I'm not talking about a real big, juicy one. I'm just talking about a little one. Did you ever tell a lie? She looked at me as sincere as anybody could be. She looked at me and she said, no. I said, you've never told a lie? Never. Now, remember, her name is Mary. So I thought, oh, okay, she's never told a lie before. So I said, now, well, there's another commandment. It says, thou shall not steal. Now, I don't think you ever robbed the bank before, but let me ask you, did you ever take something that wasn't yours? Like, did you ever take, uh, like, a cookie or a candy bar from your sister that wasn't yours, you didn't ask for it? Or how about, how about on test day? Did you ever kind of lean over and take someone else's answer? I thought for sure I got her on that one. I said, did you ever steal something that wasn't yours? She looked at me. She thought, no. I said, you, you never stole anything. She said, no. And her name is Mary. Mary, yeah, Mary. And so well, well, I said, you know, there's another commandment that says, thou shalt not murder. Now, Mary, I don't think you've ever murdered anybody, but in the New Testament, Jesus raises the bar a little bit, and he says this to you. He says, if you have hatred in your heart towards somebody, you've already committed murder in your heart towards that person. I said, now, Mary, have you ever hated anyone? And she looked at me, and she said, no, I haven't. And her name is Mary. <laughs> okay, Mary. And wow. And, and then I, I was kind of like, okay, I know you can't get to second base until you get to first base. I know that much, even a Cubs fan, okay? I know that. All right? And, I thought, and I'm thinking, okay, how? how? And then, then I never used this verse before. But I said, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse number 1, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I said, now, Mary, have you obeyed your parents to the T? She looked at me, and she had this big old grin on her face. And she said, no, I don't obey my parents all the time. And I said, yes! <laughs> and I said, Mary, you're a what then? What does the Bible say? The light came on. She said, I'm a sinner. 
And I said, Mary, you're right. You're a sinner. And boy, about 30 minutes later, Mary, right there at her doorstep, she prayed and accepted Christ as her Savior. Began to follow up, and my wife led their, her brother to the Lord. I led her boyfriend to the Lord. Mom and dad were already saved. Her sister was um, um, Allie. She was saved. The whole family two weeks ago got baptized. Man, they took that step, and they wanted to identify with the Lord. Man, I tell you what, listen, she realized that her sin was pardoned. Hey, listen, that's not through our good works. That's not through our offerings. We don't buy forgiveness. We receive forgiveness. But not only that, but the cross also symbolizes God's promise for you. The promise of his love for God so loved the world that he gave. Hey, listen, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. God loves you. Man, I, listen, listen that, that ought to warm your heart. That ought to stir you up. Well, God loves me, and he does. Man, what a wonderful promise that God loves us. And God loves everyone. Every single person on planet Earth, God loves. The promise of his love, then the promise of salvation. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The cross symbolizes God's promise for you, his love, his salvation, and then also the promise of victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, we are victorious because of the cross. Oh, death, where is... Hey, listen, in Psalms 23, you know, the Bible says, in the shadow of death. You know, death is just a shadow. Hey, a shadow's not even real. Hey, for the believer... Listen, death is not real. Death is just the moment that we are entering into the presence of God. Isn't that a wonderful truth? Man, when you think about the promises that God has for you, the cross, what does it symbolize to the believer? His passion for you, his pardon for you, his promise for you. But also, number four, it's God's purpose for you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And the things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus, hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. God has commissioned us to go into all the world with the message of the cross, and take it to every single person that we can go to. For all of us. Now, I know we have the tendency to think this. Well, that's good for the pastor. You know, that's good for the missionary. And that's good for the evangelist. And listen, that was my comprehension as I sat in the pew as a 17 and 18-year-old. I thought, you know, that's good for them. But God looked at me and says, listen, did I save you? Did you receive the message of the cross? Are your sins pardoned? And I sat there as a teenager and I said, yes, Lord. And then the Lord said to me, not audibly, but just in my own heart, you have a story to share. 
And can I say this? If you've come to the cross, you have a story to share. How you've been translated from darkness to light. From death to life. The cross. What a symbol. Some people hate it. But those that understand it, and for those that have believed in it, we've embraced it. But can I take this one more thought? We have a purpose. And that is to declare it. Jesus tells us, take up your cross and follow me. Will you take up your cross and follow him? Aren't you thankful that he bore his cross for us? As Christ followers, there's a cross for us. Let's bow our heads for closing prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for, for your love for us, your pardon, the forgiveness that the cross brings to us individually. And I pray, Father, if there's one here that has never come to the cross and have received that personal, that powerful, life-changing pardon, I pray that today would be that day. And I pray for believers that have received that pardon, that we would be challenged, we would be encouraged, we would even be fired up about the message of the cross and that we would share it. I pray that you would work in hearts. May there be liberty to respond and to do business with you, Father. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.